Welcome to the Cup of Sunshine podcast series. I'm your host, Deb Cup. I was inspired to start this series to bring some positive energy and inspiration, something I think all of us can use in our daily lives. So in my quest to fill your cup of sunshine, I've invited people who I admire to have conversations with me, share lessons, insights that I hope can really benefit all of us. I actually started Cup of Sunshine First as a video series on LinkedIn. So please make sure to check it out on my LinkedIn page for video highlights of my conversations. But here on this podcast, you're going to be able to listen to the full conversations. So thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I am really excited to introduce a guest that I've known and worked with for many years. Her name is General Becky Halstead. She was the first woman graduate of West Point to achieve general officer in 2004. She led logistics during combat in Iraq from 2005 to 2006. She is a fireball. I love her perspective. I love her energy. And in our conversation, we talk about some pretty cool stuff. Life lessons she learned during her time in the military, leading through chaos, change, and fear, and how to practice self-care. I'm really glad you're going to get a chance to listen in on this conversation. Hello, everyone. As I said, we're back with Cup of Sunshine, and I'm here with Becky Halstead, who I am thrilled to have as a guest. And Becky, I want to just launch right in because I feel like I could talk to you for hours. We've had a chance to to interact in previous experiences, and I know this audience is going to get so much out of this. So if it's okay with you, I'm just going to hop right into our first question. Super. Thank you. Super. So you've had a remarkable life. And I can imagine so many life lessons. And one of the things I'd love to hear from you, and I know that I know the audience would as well, is just recent life lessons or experiences. I think a lot about your time deployed. And what did you learn when you were in Iraq? And to anything that you could just share with all of us about that experience. I bet you could go on forever, but some ideas that you might have around life lessons. Right. I'll try to be the queen of short answers, not long answers today. Okay. But I mean, definitely my year in Iraq from 2005 to 2006 was a defining moment, right? So I think when I think about what I learned the most is the importance of relationships, you know, both personal and professional. You know, we're, we, we train to deploy all the time. So the technical skills are there. You know, I was a logistician, uh, you know, very comfortable with all being a soldier and being a logistician, but it's those personal and professional relationships that already exist and then the ones you need to build, right? Because when I showed up in Iraq, I'm on a brand new team with you know other commanding generals. Uh, I have 20,000 people on my team that I need to connect with that I've never had a relationship with. So, so that was really important. And then I think a big dose of humility, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you go in there and it's, yes, you're the commanding general for logistics, but that doesn't mean you know everything. Matter of fact, I'm sure I don't know everything, right? So seeking out those people that are smart and competent and caring that can lift me up when I need to be lifted up or, or you know, nudged in a direction when I need to be nudged. And so I, I think I learned a, a huge dose of humility uh, during that time. Um, and then self-care, because it is, as we all know, coming out of COVID, it is strenuous. It's physically and emotionally wearing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so, you know, so it was a huge challenge. And I, I, I'm not going to say I did all those things successfully, but I learned I need to be working on them. So 
That's great. And I think that what I liked about what you just said is probably the getting to know the people in the relationships, which was so key to your success, was also about the trust that you probably built because of that humility and because of that desire to reach out and learn and recognize that you aren't the one who might know everything. And I think that is such a key way of creating a connection with people and with teams. Right. I mean, it's a 360 degrees of trust, too. It's yeah. not it's not just a relationship with your boss or the people that you support. It's a it's a huge amount of trust with your peers. And I think most importantly, those that you lead, right? So we have what we call battlefield circulation. And so getting away from your base, I, I had five different bases in Iraq that we operated out of. Getting to all, well, we operate out of 55 bases, but I, I had five bases I was responsible for, for protection. Mm-hmm. And so just getting out there on the ground and looking people in the eye and say, well, really, how are things going? And, and, and it can be layers below you, but you need that connection so that they trust that, you know, you have their best interests in mind, right? And their families. So that's the personal side behind it. Yeah. And it's, I, I remember from your book, there are just so many examples of problem solving that happened at that level because closest right. to the problem is often the best place to find the answer. It's not, oh, if, it's not absolutely. at your level, right? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. You, you remember the story about, you know, doing this meeting of uh, let's have one problem statement. Let's see how we can improve that. And my team brought all the colonels to the meeting, right? So I'm a, a one-star general, colonels are directly below me. And I look around the room and all these colonels are in here. And I'm like, this meeting's over. You know, and you know how that goes, I'm sure, right? They go like, oh my goodness, you didn't meet your intent. And I'm like, no, if we're going to talk about convoys and minimizing, you know, empty vehicles being driven on the battlefield, I need privates who drive the vehicles and sergeants and lieutenants that are convoy commanders. So we dismissed and we had another meeting. They had all the right players around the table. But as you can imagine, there's not a lot of privates or lieutenants or sergeants that want to talk to the CEO or the general, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So, so the first thing they had to know was that I was serious, right? That I, I really wanted to listen. I really wanted to hear from them. And once they realized that, then they're kind of like kids. You can't keep them quiet. Like, I got yeah. another good idea, right? Another yeah. good idea. But they owned it. You know, when they left, they owned it. And so we were a much tighter team because of that. You know, they knew we trusted them. Now you go out and execute it. And then candidly, when we came out of that year, there were some changes to the actual way that we did our doctrine in terms of logistics on the battlefield. And I give my team all the credit for making those changes for people that follow us, right? So it's it's pretty neat. It's awesome. I mean, I think it's, and it's so empowering to the people that you serve, right? In terms of, of their ability to, to grow and develop as well, which is, is super cool. So you ended up retiring uh, due to an illness and you started this incredible new chapter in your life, becoming this amazing inspirational speaker and helping people lead. What did that feel like? I, I'd love to hear sort of the courage around that very major change in your life. Well, it's a little scary, right? I mean, yeah. I left home when I was 18 and I went to West Point. So that's really when I joined the military was in 1977. And then at the age of 49, I realized that I have to do something different. I was diagnosed with chronic fibromyalgia and I had been diagnosed before I went to Iraq, but I was like, I'm taking this on. I've prepared my whole life for this and I'm not letting the team down. And so I went and then when I came back from Iraq, 
I served another almost two years in command in the States. Mm-hmm. And then I just decided that, you know, leadership is about the lead, right? So even though I would love to stay, because I loved the army, I, I loved leading. I, I cried like a baby the day I had to I lead bet. because I, I, I love the people. But at the end of the day, the deciding vote was if I no longer can be the leader that those that I lead deserve, then I need to I need to let somebody else do it because there's a lot of other people who are ready, willing, able, and certainly healthier. So the decision was tough. Matter of fact, when I made the decision, I got kind of called out on it because I had kept my health mm. challenges to myself, right? I didn't want to be judged by them and, you know, sure. private. So, so I got called from all kinds of general officers like, what do you mean you're retiring, right? Like this is, you know, you got the two-star board coming up, all these other things. I said, I know that, but it, I need to. And I would explain to them one-on-one that I was ill and I needed to wrap my arms around this. And it's what, and I, and several encouraged me to still not do it. Mm. I was a little disappointed by that, to be yeah, honest. I bet. Yeah, uh, you know, but at any rate, I decided, no, tell my family, tell my mm-hmm. friends, tell my soldiers, and then retire. Now, when I decided to retire, I knew the first goal was to get well. So my first year really was focused on all of that. Mm-hmm. 15 prescriptions that I was on when I left the Army to zero today, right? Wow. So, I mean, I, I, I did a deep dive into awesome. natural chiropractic, mm-hmm. whole food nutrition, all those things. Because, you know, it's kind of funny, Deb. In the military, I was really fit, right? Like, I could do a 12-mile I can do a twelve mile foot march, run four miles, jump out of, you know, rappel out of helicopters, but I wasn't healthy. Now I'm healthy, but not so fit. <laughs> but I still have work to do, right? I still got to go for both. But so I focused on that. And then I knew I wanted to still work. And so I decided I love leadership. I love people. I love, you know, still mentoring to people about it. And, you know, I've had a lot of incredible opportunities, not the least of which is their leadership, right? Because, you know, that's how we have our connection. And, it allowed me to continue to mentor on leadership, which is the number one reason that I stayed in the military was to teach, coach, and mentor other people. So you know, I got well and I started doing this and it's been pretty exciting. That's so cool. And I know you talk about team a lot and the concept of having each other's back. And this is something that we've been talking a lot about at Microsoft actually is this ability to have confidence because you know somebody's got your back. And I'm sure that's something you learned very early. It's very important in the military for obvious reasons right. while you're at West Point. So I'd love your thoughts on that concept and, and how that helped you lead and help others feel safe. Right. Well, I always believed in, in team because I played sports in high school, you know. And so even though you might have the shot on the basketball team, you know, and it, it'd be maybe improve your personal record. If you can actually get the ball, assist, get the ball to the person with the sure shot, then that's what you do. And so team was always important to me. I thought I understood team until I went to West Point. But then I remember going out like on my very first inspection. And I, just like today, I mean, I'm on here 15 minutes early. I I prepared, right? So I'm up early, I'm polishing my boots and I'm, I'm looking strack as we used to say. And I go out in the hallway and I'm the first one standing at attention. And then my leader comes up to me and says, where's your roommate? And I'm like, 
like kind of like not my day to watch, right? Yeah. And, I, and of course, you can't say anything. You're not allowed to say anything. Like, where's my roommate? I'm thinking. So he basically told me to get myself back into my room and don't come out without her, right? And so that's when I learned, oh, strength is one, and you know, cooperate and graduate. And even though, and that sometimes means setting aside, you're being the first, yeah, in order to help someone else get out there will be second together. You know what I mean? So, and that, then that was pretty much the way it was throughout the entire career, right? Mission first, people always, a one team, one fight. And you do quite often have to put other people ahead of yourself. And especially yes. in, in, in you know, my business, we were in supply chain management. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't everybody love to be in supply chain management, <laughs> right? Supporting everybody else, pretty much taking the blame when everything doesn't work. But so often, you know, my team knew that we had to put our priorities behind other missions in order to make sure that certain units were ready to go. That's so right. that meant we got to prepare the infantry with their weapons and the certification of their howitzers before we take care of our own. That's what we're going to do, because that's what we do collectively as a team to succeed. So yeah, it played out the entire career. By the way, I think I now have a second career for you, which is supply chain logistics, which the whole yeah. world needs. <laughs> so maybe that's it. that could be your next thing that you, that you start doing some consulting on because we all need some help there. <laughs> I want to switch gears. Well, not even really switching gears, but I want to talk about leadership a bit more because I think we are all right in this stage of, you know, there, there's a lot of chaos right now. There's a lot of change. And some people feel fear with change, you know, the not really knowing what's going to happen, where we're going to go. I'd love to just get your perspective on how you continue to lead in the face of not knowing what was coming next, not knowing what all the answers are. I think many leaders out there are always looking for guidance on that point. Well, first of all, I don't believe anybody knows all the answers because, you know, but we do, I think we do work very hard to think about what are all the possible second and third order effects of, yeah. of a mission that can happen, right? So that you're prepared for those. But you might be good on the second and third, but guess what? There's a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth, right? So so one thing that I, I think is really important to encourage leaders is be the calm in the chaos. In other words, don't be one of those leaders that creates more chaos. And I know that I had to sometimes deliberately tell myself, do not say what you're thinking, Becky, right? Like, <laughs> yes. and, don't, and don't show the emotion that you're feeling because if you do, you are stirring the hornet's nest and you're just gonna get more people upset Then they can't think straight. And you know, for us in the military, I would say the most challenging time is when, you know, there's a knock at your door in the middle of the night and it's not good news. And they're, they're telling you that yeah. someone has been killed, right? Yeah. So that's the extreme, yes. but candidly, it's the same it's the same uh, technique that you have to use is if, you know, you called me and said, hey, our ship is 100 miles off coast and it's going to sit there for a month. Now look at all the problems we have, right? Yeah. I remember getting a call one time on a Saturday morning at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. It was like seven o'clock in the morning and we had been deployed for about about five weeks on a training exercise. And when we when we do that, we barge all of our equipment down to Louisiana and we barge it back. And I get this, I'm finally back. I can actually sleep in. And I get this call and they say, ma'am, the barge sunk. And I was like, what? The barge sunk? And it had all this equipment on it. I mean, it had 5,000 gallon tankers for fuel. Um, Now, 
you know, I was like, well, thank you for calling, but you know, like, it's not, it was like, what do we do? Well, uh, we go from here. Right. So it's not like, it's not your fault, but they want you, they want you to start helping them think through what are the next steps. So I think, you know, we have to be the calm and the chaos and, yes, you know, and candidly, uh, and not ask of other people what you're not willing to do yourself. You know, yes. like that's the other thing. So often it's easy to say, well, go do this. And, and if I'm not willing to do it myself, I feel like I can't ask that of my soldiers or my people on my team. And so that to me was another really big one. And then the other one I think I was known for was build a bridge and get over it. And you can say that a couple of different ways. Like let's build a bridge and take it one step at a time and get over and through this. Yeah. Or I can say, give it up, build a bridge and get over it. This is a decision, move out. This is where we're going. So I could use it a couple I like different both. Ways. I love that. Build a bridge yeah. and get over it. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I think it's super. And the, the calm piece is, uh, it's hard for people sometimes because you want to react. And I think it's that you, you've got to sort of give yourself a breath. And I think that's one thing leaders yeah. have to think about is take a pause yourself before you you know, yep. you react because everyone's yep. watching you. And I think that's one thing we all recognize, everybody's watching. So they're gonna react based on the way that you do. You've um, you've talked a lot about mentorship and how you're very passionate about it. And I am sure it's been an incredible help to you personally. And I know that's something that you give back to as well. Any lessons you can share? That's one question we get a lot about is is mentorship and, and the right way to do it and, and where you see value. So first of all, I think mentorship is absolutely a responsibility of a leader, right? We must do that. Now we we say in the army, teach, coach, and mentor. They're a little bit different, mm-hmm. but so but my responsibility is to mentor. Now I can't I can't force you to choose me as your mentor, but mm-hmm. if we if we connect and 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 you you enjoy the way that I'm developing you, you may you may in fact choose me to mentor you even deeper and further and longer, right? But it is a responsibility of every leader in my mind. And I was really blessed to be mentored by so many wonderful leaders in the military. And the thing that's interesting, I think, about mentorship, like leadership, is we all do it differently. So in other words, you know, I could list probably, let's say, about 10 to 12 leaders over almost 30 years that I truly call my mentors. Yeah. Okay. And and that's the other thing. Not everybody is your mentor. Like, you know, I, <laughs> that that always irritates me a little bit when someone's out there like collecting them, right? Yeah. A mentor is someone you want to grow up to be like. So a yeah. couple of things on that, uh, Deb. One, they don't have to be superior to you, right? Like they don't have to have a higher rank or a higher leadership position. Matter of fact, one of my mentors in the army was my command sergeant major. So a command sergeant major is the top of the enlisted rank. Uh-huh. And when I started working with him, I saw in his office a little U.S. flag friend. And I said, and so it was like the first day I met him. I said, Sergeant Major, tell me about that little flag. He said, well, I'm a naturalized citizen. When I was a young boy, my mother fled from Ecuador. My father was in the communist army. And he said, we fled to New York City and I joined the army as an enlisted soldier, and then I became a U.S. citizen. And he said, a, a, a little girl about eight years old handed me that flag on the day of my ceremony. He said, I was all alone, and yeah. she handed that to me, so I had it framed. And I mean, we had like tears in our eyes, right? <laughs> because here's, a, here's a, a gentleman who understands and appreciates being an American, his freedom and everything, far greater in my yeah. mind than those yeah. of us born into it. Yeah. And then I watched him the way he led soldiers versus the way I led soldiers and how we were a really 
a tight team, but we did it differently. And so I've always told them, you know, you are one of my mentors because I want to grow up to be like you in terms of character and competence. And so, yeah. Awesome. I love that. Because I think you're right. People are always looking up. You don't have to look up. Like it it can be anywhere. I think it's, that's, that's really cool. So you mentioned um, self-care there a minute before, and I'd I'd like to just talk about that for a second because burnout is real. Fatigue is real. Uh, change fatigue is real. Uh, and I'd love your thoughts on you know what you do personally to take care of yourself and any advice you have for folks that are just thinking about ways that they can take care of themselves. Well, I used to think I always did take care of myself, like I said, right? Because I, yeah. I was fit. But that when I became sick with the fibromyalgia, what I realized that I needed to do was I need to put my life, my daily life into buckets, right? So I call it PMS, physical, mental, spiritual, right? You know, it's a little bit of twist on words, but it gets people's <laughs> attention, right? So yep. physical, mental, spiritual. And the thing that I learned in Iraq, as hard as it was, is that we had a real battle rhythm. You know, for a 24-hour period, you knew certain things. You knew when you're going to have your two-hour update on the battlefield mm-hmm. in the morning, when you're going to have it in the evening, then you you know you circulate around during the day. And so, but there was enough rhythm in there for you to figure out, okay, I can carve out 15 minutes and just be quiet, right? Like to just get my mental focus back. Um, I could go over to the tent and hop on a treadmill and at least get on a treadmill for 15 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So when I went into Iraq, what I did is I created a, a, a simple chart. Right. And it was an Excel spreadsheet. It was one to 31 down the side. And across the top was physical, mental, spiritual things that I felt like I better be paying attention to to keep a good personal battle rhythm. So I call it PBR, right? Personal battle rhythm. And it was one of the most, it was probably one of the best things I could have done for myself. So during COVID, fast forward, I'm sitting here going, why did I ever stop doing that? Because yeah. this is combat right now, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like you said, change. You yeah. know, here we were for me, live events, speaking and everything. And I do a lot of that work with Thayer and I'm traveling yeah. all the time. The next thing I know for 17 months, I don't travel. Yeah. But for us to be able to pivot and go virtual and online and all those things was wonderful. But, but it took some huge adjusting. Yes. And so now I have a new rhythm a new personal professional battle rhythm, which I quite like. Because candidly, in 17 months of staying at home, in my adult life, I had never stayed at home that many consecutive days. I can't imagine. Right. And I actually like it, right? I love my little horses and my pets and you know, and the community. And so anyhow, um, but I so now I think I have a new rhythm. Yeah. And I and I have a new chart, by the way. So I started going back to the chart because yeah. if we don't have some tools to help us take care of ourselves, we can't help other people take care of themselves. So that's what I do. I love the chart. I think sometimes we forget to just go back to the basics. I love the chart idea because if you yeah. don't force something, I, I also think visual helps. Yeah. Me anyway, you know, yeah. that, that, you know, to, to like look at something and be able to say, where am I in my buckets and are my buckets a little uneven, you know, and, and how do I make sure this is an area of an opportunity for me, by the way. So I might steal your chart idea because that's that's a really good one. I'm sharing. <laughs> yeah, steal it by right? Good point. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Even things like on that, you know, like I have horses, right? Like I read sometime during COVID that I guess scientifically it's proven that if you just take a couple of minutes every day and just in thought, whether it's a walk or whatever. So 
in the, during that time, I'm like, I try to capture every sunrise and sunset, walk out to the barn, you know, yeah. just, just smell the horses, you know, listen yeah. to them eat their grain, right? Just these simple little things, but it kind of re-energizes you to come back in and sit behind the computer and do all the other things. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. That's cool. So I always ask all of my guests three questions. So I wanted to ask you as as well. The first one is what's the what's an important lesson you've learned in the last year? In the last year. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think it ties to what we were just talking about, which is adaptability. I mean, yeah. I, I think I was fairly adaptable anyhow, just by being in the military and moving 18 times in 27 years. But this was a new kind of adaptability because yeah. it really hit your personal life as well as your professional life. And so I think to be able to not only pivot and do it, but to embrace it and actually feel like coming out the other side, it's it's actually better now than it was before. Um, the opportunities and the, and the people that I've gotten to meet. So I, I think maybe adaptability has been the biggest lesson. That's great. Keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, and what's one thing that always makes you laugh? Always makes me laugh. Um, well, always. That's a big word. You gotta think. You gotta keep that in mind. <laughs> I guess watching children, right? Like if you see a if you see a child just start watching the, a parent and they just giggle, 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 laugh, laugh, laugh. And, it, and they're not even saying anything, but they're <laughs> responding to whatever the parent or the, or the person holding them is doing. I always laugh, like, because I love the innocence. I love the fact that, you know, we were all like that at one point. Yeah. And just that, I mean, I can't not laugh if I hear a, a, a baby or a young child just have the most strange and high pitch and amazing, just constant giggle. So <laughs> That's I guess great. that was it. I love it. Last one, what is, would you say, your secret or the most important ingredient in leadership? Mm, well, uh, ingredient. You had, some good ones. you had some good ones today. It's hard. Um, so most important value would be discipline, but I think ingredient is a little bit different. Uh, you know, if you think about a recipe, I, I think it's being deliberate, like being intentional, with everything, like everything I say, everything I do is making sure it goes through the right filters to make sure that whatever comes out is considerate, responsible. And, you know, I think, you know, my mother gave me the book Three Seconds, which is basically if you wait three seconds before you say something, you'll be happier with what you said. And yeah. so the reason she gave that to me, but I think I've learned over the years that it is important to be very deliberate and very intentional. And I think that probably has helped me the most. That's awesome. Thank you. I can't thank you enough. This was so fun. So I, I deeply appreciate your time. Every time I talk to you, I learn something new and I just feel better for it. So thank you for the time. Um, I really, really appreciate it. And I know, I know everybody will too. So thank you. Thank you. It's really an honor that you asked me because I, I love your energy and I loved connecting you. with you the first time. So thanks, Deb. Thanks so much, Becky. So many things I loved about my talk with Becky. Problem solving or cars getting close to the problem is often the best place to find the answer. I know these things sound simple, but sometimes we forget. We forget that the best people who solve things are the ones who are dealing with them every single day. She talks about what it means to be a teammate, to have each other's back, the importance of just taking a pause sometimes before reacting. 
especially when you're in stressful, chaotic environments, which we all deal with every day. I love her discipline around PBRs and PMSs, something that I think we can all try and put into practice today. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show. If you're not yet a subscriber, please subscribe where you get your podcasts. I'm Deb Cup, and you've been listening to Cup of Sunshine. <laughs>